0: hello and welcome to what else do you do i'm your host Massal. i'm a indie producer in studio cut to Bits in montreal today our guest is Bertine van hovel please introduce yourself
1: hi i'm Bertine. i live in the netherlands and i have been doing game things for almost 15 years now i think I started out in educational space and then slowly I moved into the commercial space. And nowadays I do freelance game design and game writing for both independent and AAA companies.
0: So when you say education, do you mean like educational software or you were in education, like you were teaching people?
1: Uh, Educational software. So I made all the education games most people hate. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they wouldn't give us any money. So, you know,
0: (laughs) yeah, you, you do, you do what you can,
1: you do what you can.
0: Since this podcast is called "What else do you? Do, what else do you do?"
1: During non-COVID time, I once per month I pretend to be a vampire in a live-action role-playing game. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I've been um, I've been engaged with the live-action role-playing game scene for I think over a decade or something. Uh, I've done both the. Um more conventional ones like running in a forest hitting each other with plastic swords is the really weird Nordic ones where you pretend that you're dying on top of mountain.
0: Yeah, there's some weird shit coming out of Scandinavia.
1: Oh yeah, no, there's uh there's this whole uh, whole LARP scene called uh well it's kind of like a genre, uh it's called Nordic LARP. And uh it's absolutely fascinating because it almost feels like people are like, okay, we've done all the usual types of LARP games and LARP scenarios. Let's imagine that we're clowns, and we cannot communicate with each other except through weird sounds and um, horns and all of those sort of things.
0: It's I like mean, avant-garde theater almost.
1: It, it is, but fortunately, nobody can see you embarrassing yourself.
0: <laughs> well, sometimes they make videos of it. I've seen some crazy stuff on YouTube.
1: Yeah, I don't know who did that. I commend them for the bravery. Um, <laughs> but I can tell you, I, I, once, I once participated with one of those weirder clown LARPs together with with a, with a friend of mine, and we don't talk about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I could see how it's a, it would be a sensitive issue, yeah. But yeah, I, I remember watching a video of this, uh, one of these, I guess, Nordic LARP stuff. And the premise was that you worked for a marketing firm. And it was like a weekend thing. And over the course of the weekend, they had to come up with a campaign, I think, if I remember correctly. And (laughs) I was like, I was kind of fascinated because like, why would anybody want to do this? Like this,
1: I don't know, it's just
0: weird. Like, it's like, let's pretend to be normal people with real jobs. Seems like a very odd direction for LARP to take, but I guess why not? You know, like it's.
1: I, I guess it's, um, so first of all, it's, it's of course, a lot of people in the LARP scene, they do more unconventional jobs. Uh, so for them to pretend to be a white-collar worker in the office space is fantasy. Um, but on the other hand, some of these scenarios, you know, they try to examine and to, to interrogate kind of like these normal interactions that people are supposed to have uh, and how weird they are, like this whole routine about having to go to a water cooler and talk about your, your life because um, I, I once participated in one of these sort of like these business LARPs and yeah, they, they had these very strict um, rounds where, okay, now we're going to do concept development about some printer thing that doesn't work uh, and now we're all going to go to the water cooler and talk about our lives <laughs> and it's it's weird because on one hand you're okay this is what normal people do but also you're like oh shit i've done this before i've done exactly this sort of like pointless talking about a thing just so you can have a chat with each other and yeah kind of i guess for some people it's revealing i, I enjoyed it
0: i i think we forgot to kind of go over the general point what exactly is live action role-playing
1: Oh, uh, so live action role-playing is, it's improvisational theater, but without an audience. So you are put in a scenario with other people who all know that they're going to be put in that scenario. This is an important point. Yeah, I mean, look, otherwise it's Battle Royale. And, uh. and the point is is that, so you're all taking a role and within the scenario, you're trying to either follow a plot line or trying to explore a, a scenario like, I don't know, there's a there's a bank being robbed. How does this work? So you have this whole role-playing thing going on. And this can go from, from yeah, from more conventional, improvisational theater type of things, like uh, you're all stuck in a war, you're all in the trenches, uh, and you're all going to talk about your your childhood at home, to the weirder things, like pretending you're a clown that you, and that you can't communicate.
0: Some of the more popular ones are basically like, there's like fantasy LARP, which yeah basically, people kind of do like dungeons and dragony stuff out into the woods right yeah uh,
1: yeah exactly so uh, that's uh that's when you for some reason you decide to forgo all modern conveniences and go to a forest and put down a tent and sleep there while also pretending to be an orc while also hitting each other with plastic swords um, <laughs> it is fun, but it's also very weird. I am fully aware of that. <laughs>
0: But, and there's uh, there's rules, right? Like it's kind of like Dungeons and Dragons, and there's like you have like yeah. spell slots and stuff, right?
1: In some cases, there is. You have larp's where they have this very complicated magic system about what type of things that you can throw at each other. But what is important, however, is sort of like the safety systems that's behind, that are behind it. Because when I talk about plastic swords, uh we're talking about these. I know that this is gonna sound funny, but we're talking about latex weapons. Uh, so r- rubber weapons that you've you know hit each other with, but some of these weapons are heavier than you would anticipate. Like if somebody's going to try to make a latex maze and try to hit you with it, there is still mm-hmm. going to be a full force of a thing behind it. Yeah. Uh, so there's all of these sort of like rules, both to dictate like okay what happens in game, but also what happens outside of the game, because while I mean, with typical tabletop role-playing games, you're dealing with rules that are only important for your characters and maybe a little bit of mental health type of things, like if you're going to play a horror scenario. But especially with like for action role-playing games, it's super important uh, because you're going to be there available as a physical person doing physical things uh, that you're going to agree with each other. How far can I do this physical thing? How far can I hit you? Can I hit you with all the things that I have? All of those sort of things so so both yeah so both you're talking about in game rules like hit points and that sort of stuff but also out, outside of game
0: rules hmm. um in terms of popular larps so there's the there's the kind of fantasy stuff that that mm-hmm. happens and there's also like is it white wolf or is Minds uh, like Minds eye theater a separate company
1: so i don't really know how complicated the current- situation is but at some point you had the Minds theater rule set for vampire the masquerade uh yeah. and then eventually also for the other uh things but yeah so white wolf um had a setting called vampire the masquerade back in the 90s which was basically and rise but then in tabletop <laughs> uh that all yeah i mean let's be honest it was and rise and tabletop uh and then it all you know developed itself further into more complicated things taking inspiration from more vampire sources and love those sort of things and then at some point people are like what if we pretend to be vampires in real life, um, without all the weird stuff, uh, but also a little bit of the weird stuff? Uh, but um, I,
0: I, I would say a lot of the weird stuff.
1: Uh, it's it's there are we'll get to that later probably. <laughs> um, so you had this this whole uh, vampire love scene, which was also taking place in real life, um, where. People pretended to be their character, but rather than being in a secluded environment like i don't know a forest or something or a a room that they had had rented or something um they would do it out in the open which is such a fascinating concept to me uh because you are you are moving like the um the fictional space into the real space mm-hmm. and so nowadays nowadays some of the larps are still being run that way um i mean back in the 90s it was okay to pretend to be a terrorist and you know out in the open because everybody's all like "Ah, oh, that's how it's fantasy nowadays people are going to be a little bit more careful when you talk about oh yeah we're going to murder this guy out in the open when everybody can hear <laughs> yeah, you yeah
0: i i could see that how that uh could result yeah. in bad things yeah
1: yeah it's not it's not not a good idea anymore uh was also a bad idea back then but now even over is a dear um so nowadays most of these sort of larps are either they are very shashas so so you have rules beforehand about that you talk about with each other what you can say out in the open um and then there is also larp's like the one that I help out running, which is where we rent a uh, a cafe for an evening, and we just dress it up like as if it's some some a, a fancy environment, uh, and that's where we run the larp itself.
0: Okay, yeah. There's um. Have you heard of the famous story about Steve Jackson? Uh, you know, Steve Jackson Games, the like the the which one of the one of the, <laughs> one of the tabletop. <laughs> Well, the first time he encountered LARP.
1: I I was I him? don't know. Well, think I mean, I it could story. be an urban legend, mm-hmm. but
0: basically he was walking uh, he was at a convention because as he would be since he is peddling swears. Um, and he saw this group of people doing something. He wasn't really sure what was going on. It seemed like a game of some sort. And he was like, he was interested because like, well, this this is something different. I haven't I haven't seen this before. And so he was like, well, I don't want to bother the people in the middle. I'm just going to go talk to this guy who has his hands across his chest and being very quiet. Um, Because, you know, he doesn't seem like he's talking to anybody. I, I figure I could go up to him. And then he went and tried to talk to him and the guy doesn't respond. And he keeps on talking to him and the guy doesn't respond. And at one point, the the guy loses his shit and says, "I'm trying to fucking off you skate." <laughs> and this is when Steve Jackson is like, "I need to get in on board in this." Like anybody who like in a, a community this this dedicated uh, is got to be worth uh, looking into. And I heard that that was the reason Steve Jackson made like uh, Vampire of the Masquerade game because there was like a GURPS version of of uh, mm-hmm. Vampire of the Masquerade, or at least there was one edition of it. And uh, I mean, I, this could be complete bullshit. Uh, some some dude at our game shop told me about this, but uh,
1: it's uh it's it's funny because it's a uh, what did they call this it? This is this An is ap- some pretty apocryphal-
0: deep, deep uh, <laughs> well, nerd so, uh, shit because like we're we're covering a lot of uh, <laughs> <laughs> nerd ground. Me. I th- I think we we okay. So Steve Jackson Games had this set of uh, of rule books that were all based on this like single rule set called GURPS. And this was revolutionary in the 90s, I guess, mm-hmm. because you, you could re- learn one rule and then you could play games with different settings like sci-fi or fantasy or, in this case, vampire. They have since then not been that successful. But that whole idea of a standardized like rule system really kind of has taken off. And now D&D, which used to have more of a kind of all-over-the-place rules, shifted to a D20 system using a 20-sided dice as their kind of primary system, and that is commonly understood that is kind of influenced by the standardized uh system that uh yeah, I
1: could yeah, be exactly, completely yeah.
0: wrong as well because these uh, are again, all these things are things that I've been told by uh random employees at game shops, so
1: <laughs> I don't think you are incorrect, however, the story that you you're about Steve Jackson about sort of like the LARP thing I've heard this this story. In many different forms and many different shapes with many different names. <laughs> uh, so, either everybody's having the same experience, the very same first experience with Vampire the Masquerade LARP, or it's sort which of like it's totally one of these, fair.
0: Like you, if which you is do, totally
1: possible, to be honest. It's totally
0: possible because if you're going to go, okay, so to explain this joke or this story is that so the idea is people pretend to have supernatural abilities in playing larp of vampire and one of the things you can do is you can hide yourself and to indicate that you are invisible to people who are don't have the ability to see invisible things you put your hands across your chest and you have to be very quiet and this ability is called obfuscate so the idea is that steve jackson walked up to someone who was trying to do this and somehow ruined his game experience (laughs) For people who had no idea what I was talking about in the story
1: earlier, yeah. Oh my god, we are covering a lot of a <laughs> lot of deep lore here. Jesus. Yeah. So I don't know where I was going with this. I don't know, but well, let's oh, so, uh, let's, let's, see let's see where we go. Let's talk about vampire for
0: a little bit. <laughs> you know, let's so, talk about vampire. <laughs> so one of the more popular LARP is vampire, right? And you were saying that you run a vampire game or help run a vampire game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We're with uh, five people at moments. Let me go. Quickly, uh, yeah, we're, we're five people and we have been running a continuous LARP but with different team members for over 20 years. 20 years, 20 years, yeah. Wow, we that's are, a long time! Yeah, I think we're not the oldest LARP in the Netherlands, but we are, uh, at least in the top five. Uh, so, uh, um, that's quite impressive. It's insane, it is like absolutely mind-boggling one of her team members has been whistle larp since the very beginning wow uh and yeah he, he he's like i still remember the day that i walked in and were, was like hey i heard that we can play vampire here <laughs> <laughs>
0: but yeah, I, so- I actually played vampire larp about 20 years ago
1: oh my god jesus this, uh,
0: yeah this was two. yeah i think it was 2000 or 2001
1: and, and were you were you the nerd who was obfuscating in the corner hoping that nobody, <laughs> <laughs> nobody no would i know i
0: I already, I already knew what the deal was i uh, I had friends that played and they were like, yeah, you should come and get involved so I did and I had fun well the weird thing is i I think I had a lot more fun thinking about like characters and like settings and like kind of exploring like what kind of motivation like our our pack had because it, was, it wasn't a camera game uh it was um Oh, it was Sabat. a Sabat game. Yeah, yeah it was One of, of
1: the aggie bros.
0: Yeah, no, well, it's we were in the Bay Area. Like, obviously, we weren't going to play Camarilla. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just for uh, everybody who's like, what are they on about? <laughs> so the Camarilla are supposed to be the good vampires. I say supposed with...
0: Uh, it's, that's, very... that's, that's really subjective.
1: <laughs> yeah, very subjective. <laughs> They're all subjective. terrible. <laughs> They're all terrible. But uh, when you start a game, typically you're being put in a Camarilla setting because it's the most... Friendly for people, mm-hmm. so to speak, and then there are great baddies, or well, one of the great baddies, but let's call them the great baddies for now. And a couple of kid things are the Sabbats, uh, and they're like the evil vampires. Um, but because I, the, I'm not sure,
0: good and evil are really like. I feel like pro-establishment I, look, I, I'm and anti-establishment. To, uh, I think I, it's probably no, the, <laughs> because
1: the anti-establishments are the anarchs, but also the anarchs are really a part of the Camarilla. <laughs> Deep lore. <laughs> 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 this is too nerdy. Um, let's see if we can <laughs> pull this back back on track. <laughs> so yeah, so this, uh, this game has been running for 20 years. sometimes successful, sometimes not successful. What's mostly interesting is, is that you you're dealing with 20 years of lore, like background lore. And some people remember them and other people don't.
0: Oh, wow. That's crazy. Uh,
1: I know, right? And so. Because I think I-
0: even the game that I played, like every so often they would reset because, like, it would just get too complicated and power levels would get out of whack.
1: We have never reset. Um,
0: <laughs> like, so pe- do, do you have, like, just like ridiculous power NPCs that, like, can no. just do, uh, like, PCs no. that can just do all the things?
1: No, because so here's the thing: is that inevitably. So first of all, the rules that make sure that you can't have like over, over a part. So once your character becomes a certain age, your XP rate goes down. Mm, that's uh, true. So otherwise Yeah. Otherwise, you know, if you were an old player, you could just wipe away any sort of new player. And that's not fun. That's not that's not really like a good um, challenge. Uh, the other thing that is very interesting about sort of like the way how we run it but also how vampire the masquerade works as a, as a setting and that's also quite unlike some of the other settings that are very long running especially the fancy slabs is you die very easily even if you're super yeah, it's vampire true.
0: it's it's pretty easy to die yeah
1: yeah and and that's like at first you're like oh but that's no fun because i will lose my character very quickly but on the other hand like it becomes so much more Fun because the stakes are higher, the plots get more intensive, the horror is actual horror rather than like, oh, my party members can go to a priest and resurrect me. But it does mean that whenever we get new players that they come with, often with a different type of mindset. And so one of the things that is perhaps a bit weird to explain to outsiders is that a lot of LARP and especially like the the more avant-garde LARPs, um, they come with this whole preparation thing. So that people understand that what they're getting into. Uh, so whether they're gonna be playing vampires, office workers, or I don't know, clowns. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've we've noticed that 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 uh that we we need to prepare people to get into sort of like this mindset of okay, my character can die, but also uh I need to do effort into getting fun out of this game. Uh because unlike Normal traditional tabletop, you are you can't handhold anybody. They will have to find their own way throughout the game. So that's one of the things that we need to prepare for. And specifically with vampire LARPs, we also need to prepare them for the fact that we are a horror larp, but that we also don't want to traumatize anybody. So it's, it's yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's uh, so yeah, because because of all these sort of like the measures, and also because we want to want to run a fun story, and we we do want people to return. We do try to make sure that despite that the setting is 20 years old, there's not too much power creep. Like, all our NPCs can die. We have no... We have, like, a personal attachment to our NPCs, but it's not like we're going to have the superpower prince because I, Bertine, would like to feel super powerful. (laughs) We try not to do that. At least some... some, Okay fine maybe well, a little the, bit the prince
0: does kind of have to be like super powerful no like that's kind of like how the order is maintained In
1: oh no we have it's not we have had um so for the past i want to say past five years we've experimented with player princes and that's so much fun because the dynamics becomes differently because you can no longer be like oh that's the prince Fuck him. Uh I don't wanna work with him. I'm gonna be the rebel, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And it's just well, an NPC does not
0: whole. You,
1: you can't, but you can still, you know, behind the backs, you know, it's uh-huh. it's not you're not getting attached to the character. You're not getting attached to the fact that you're you're against this character. But if it's a fellow player, then it's only <laughs> you know, then it suddenly becomes scary. Then it becomes like, oh, oh I have to take into account that they're not gonna be nice to me for plot reasons or something. <laughs> And that brings a whole different dynamic. So yeah, you should try it. It's good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so let's uh, let's move on to questions. Kind of looping back to video games. Um, so
1: oh, video games are for nerds. Don't do them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what do you get out of LARP that you don't get of game development?
1: Uh, I get to tell a story, and I get immediate reaction because yeah, I, I am primarily like a story type of person within games uh, so for me it's always very important to see like how do story elements come across how do story elements work with people how do people react to it like what's the natural reaction and just to be able to to have an evening where this is my story and how are you going to interact with it which elements do you enjoy that's for me very valuable. And also, and that's the, the particularly the part that I love about running a LARP, is that you have to think on your feet all the time. It's four hours of nonstop thinking on your feet, nonstop of trying to make sure that things are being moved in the right direction. It's like kind of like a sports in a way. And it gives such a rush. Just wonderful.
0: Okay. Kind of expanding on that idea. What do you think being involved in LARP? brings you as a game developer? How do you think it changes your process or creative output?
1: Uh, It is definitely affecting my design, that I design things more from a, how would a normal person interact with something like that? What's a normal way for a person to move through a room? Uh, How do they interact with not just objects, but also knowledge? how much knowledge can I give in, in one go for them to understand like, okay, so this has to do with the plot and this doesn't have to do with the plot, right? So it's sort of like you learn a lot about what sort of fluff that you can introduce inside like game storytelling without overloading a person. Yeah, and, and also like how do different how do different play styles interact with the same set piece?
0: That does sound extremely useful. Do you do a lot of like foreshadowing and see how much you you can get away with saying... Without them like figuring it out too early or
1: because we have so many players, we can't always depend on having the same t- amount of knowledge about mm, okay. spe- spe- specifically about a setting. So sometimes you need to do foreshattering, and sometimes your players are way too smart and are like, oh, obviously it's that. And like that's not supposed to happen. That's not a conclusion you're supposed to draw yet. No. Um But uh, but what is very important is um expectation management. Because a person, like typically with a LARP, a person has to travel for in order to get to that place, right? There's there's a time investment they're doing, they're giving up their whole evening to do to it. So you're also making sure that whatever you're foreshadowing is going to have a payoff. You always need to have a payoff. You can't just go like, okay, well, guess nothing happens. So you're trying to Mostly use foreshadowing as a way to do expectation management. And because you're doing expectation management, you're making sure that somebody's going to have enjoyment throughout the whole evening. And hopefully come back, because otherwise your plotline goes to waste. On the other hand, you can't do too much foreshadowing, because you're dealing with many players. And especially with Vampire, it's a competitive... it can be a competitive game. So I know that, for example, player A is actually competing with player B. I was trying to pull something onto player B player B doesn't know that, but I can't foreshadow that to a player B mm. because then I would be cheating. I mean, that wouldn't it would be in benefit for player A. So then it's sort of like those moments where you just have to be, you know, uh practice your poker face, whatever a player comes to <laughs> no, I we have had so many times players complaining to us that this plot line is too difficult, why doesn't this work? What's happening here? And in the meantime, we have to go like I don't know. I don't it's know what's happening. It's because
0: somebody's sabotaging you. <laughs> it's
1: because somebody's fucking it around.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So yeah, that's uh, that's the downside with foreshadowing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Well, I think it's time to wrap up. So let's end on a final note. What is something that you would like people to know about LARP?
1: It is good to let yourself good. go. It is also good. It's also good. But it's also good to to move outside of that normal space that you inhabit as a as a normal person and to move around a setting as a different type of person that you're doing this this whole acting and you're also thinking about okay, how does this character act? Um and the reason why I'm saying it is, is that, you know, we're a lot of us are, are so used to presenting this kind of person that we are. Um, and to be able to embody a whole different pro- type of person, it's sort of like it lets you—you you get to let go of all of these normal expectations. You just get to get to mess around a little bit in somebody else's life, uh, and now it can be very refreshing.
0: It is a lot of fun to try to explore someone else's perspective and their motivations,
1: and then also move like them at the same time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I think we're good. Yeah. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, this was a lot of fun.
1: Thank you. Thank you for inviting us.
0: (laughs) See (laughs) you around,
1: Okay. Hey, bye-bye, myself.
0: Thank you for listening. And please remember to rate and subscribe on your preferred podcast app. Thank you to Dave Wallace for providing the music. And thank you to Therese Lance for providing the logo. Bye-bye.